So yesterday was kind of an odd day for me. It started out with the sad privilege to be part of a memorial service for Dick Smoke in the morning, and then it ended, though, with the blessing of celebrating my mother-in-law's 90th birthday with the family. And when you kind of combine both of those things during this holiday season that we're in, they kind of pulled together, at least in my mind, into thoughts of something that all of us inevitably experience, and yet almost everyone dreads, and that's getting older. Anybody dread getting older? It still happens anyway, though, right? It doesn't stop. And, and I, I made a list for you, because there's at least 10 concrete ways to know for sure that you're aging. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, and number one is that you and your teeth don't sleep together anymore. Number two is that you try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and you realize that you're not wearing any. Uh, number three is that breakfast uh, at your table you hear snap, crackle, and pop, but you're not eating cereal. Number four was my favorite, uh, when happy hour becomes nappy hour. Uh, number five is when you're, you guys are on vacation, when you're on vacation and your energy runs out before your money does. Uh, Number six is your address book uh, begins mostly with names that start with doctor. <laughs> number seven is it takes twice as long to look half as good. Uh, number eight, people think that you have finally developed more patience when in fact you actually just don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, number nine is you, uh, you wonder how you could be so far over the hill when you don't remember ever being on top. And the 10th and, and last one before I get in any trouble uh, is it takes longer to rest than it ever did to get tired. <laughs> did any of those sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, if they do, you're, you're in good company because the author of our text today felt much the same way. And you're going to see that as we jump back into our expository look through uh, the book of Psalms. Actually, an abbreviated look at two of them today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 70 and Psalm 71 that were originally probably part of just one single piece of sacred music. You don't have to worry about following along uh, in your Bibles today because this is going to be kind of an abbreviated reading of both of them. But you can follow along on the screen. Uh, and so Psalm 70 starts out superscribed for the choir master, a psalm of David, asking God to remember him. And he writes in verse 1, Please God, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to kill me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, O God. You are my helper and my salvation, O Lord. Do not delay. O Lord, you alone are my help. I've trusted in you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth, from my mother's womb, you've cared for me. It's no wonder I'm always praising you. And now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. But let me proclaim your power to this next generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. You know, as I said in the, in the opening, it's hard, it's hard to, uh, not to see that all of us are aging. Some of us may be just more gracefully than others. Uh, but as, as time passes, we all start to, 
to feel and to see the effects of entropy in our lives as time seems to speed up while our bodies seem to be steadily slowing down. But you know, that's what Advent is really all about. It's about marking time and slowing our pace and remembering, as the saying goes, the real reason for this Christmas season that we're heading into. And uh, for those of you who, uh, who are here today and don't know or folks listening online uh, who maybe don't know it, this Sunday marks the second Sunday in the Advent season that we're in, and Carolyn did a great job with our candle reading. Uh, it's a time in the liturgical calendar that runs through the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day, uh, and it marks it out as a time for priming our hearts to receive the treasure of Christ at the Feast of the Nativity. And it's an important spiritual discipline and practice not to miss. Because amid all of the frenetic end-of-year chaos, it's so easy to squander these precious moments of waiting and of remembering and of hoping for the future. And not just for the few short years that we have left here, but for our eternal future and for that blessed rest in the new heaven and the new earth. Because, you know, I'd be willing to bet that most of us uh, know all too well what it's like for December to go by in a blur. And what it's like to arrive on the doorstep of Christmas Day as another uh, exhausted casualty of our consumeristic age full of organizing and shopping and stressing and eating and stress eating. Uh, but it's into the midst of all of that angst that today's psalm speaks so clearly uh, as it calls us to stop and reflect on our desperate need to know that this is not all there is and to figure that out before it's too late. To figure that out uh, that looking to the Messiah is the only real way to find any lasting peace. That's why David uh, said to <clears throat> today, and we read together, Please God, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. And you know, I never get tired of pointing this out to you, and I, I hope you remember uh, that when you see that word save or, or salvation like is there uh, in this Old Testament song, what you're really seeing is the English equivalent of the Hebrew word Yeshua, which, which literally means God saves. And it's also the same word, the same name that was given to David's greatest descendant, our Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember in uh, Matthew 21, when the angel who spoke to Mary and then spoke to Joseph in a dream, I said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. And you'll name him in, in Hebrew, right? Yeshua. You'll name him Yeshua. You'll name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And brothers and sisters, that's what David was looking forward to prophetically in Psalm 70 and 71. And what we hearken back to in the ageless promise we have at Advent. Because in God's design and divine plan for this world and for his chosen people, there is only salvation in one name, and that's in the name of Jesus. Because God has given no other avenue, no other word, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, he said, this word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your hearts. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And you know, that's the thing we need to slow down and recall today, not the, the passage of time, 
uh, or the infirmities of our body or the holidays long past or the hectic days still ahead, but instead to reclaim God's promises fulfilled at Christ's birth and be reminded of just how intensely the incarnation of Jesus shook the world on that first Christmas day. And to recognize how it infuses it now uh, with an eternal meaning that goes miles deeper than just family traditions and pretty lights, uh, expensive gifts, or, or just a chance for me to replenish my stockpile of sweatpants and socks and neckties. <laughs> so that's no gift ideas for this year. Right? But so David goes on to say this morning, but I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. And there's that, that word, that name again. For their number is past my knowledge. And we need to do that today, to hold on and to hold out for that hope. Because here we are, uh, here we are and somehow it, it's already December 8th. With less than a month to go before 2020. And only 17 days until Christmas, right guys? Can you believe it? Uh, that's just crazy. This year has gone by so quickly. And David's psalm in this Advent season is all about proclaiming and anticipating and praising more and more that blessed hope of the arrival of Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, if you don't know why someone is coming, who cares when they arrive? Uh, if you don't know to expect a package in the mail, you don't keep running to the window looking out for the postman. Uh, if you don't know that you have a need, you won't be searching for the means to fill it so that even if it were right in front of your face, you might not understand what it all means or maybe even miss it altogether. And kind of like an elderly woman that I read about earlier this week who decided that now that her grandchildren were all young adults, uh, it was too hard to figure out what to buy them all for Christmas. you guys have that trouble? Yeah. Right? So she decided she'd send them all a card with a check in it, but she got herself in such a panic to get all of the cards in the mail that she forgot to insert the checks inside. <laughs> so uh, a few days later, she's, she's working on her monthly bills, and she opens her checkbook, uh, to discover what she had done, but she got even more panicked to imagine all of her grandkids opening a card from Grandma on Christmas Day with only a note inside that said, now that you're all grown up, buy your own gifts this year. <laughs> Talk about disappointed hopes, right? But, but that's why Advent is more than simply planning for Christmas. Advent is a season in which we are reminded of our very desperate need, of our thirst, of our yearning for the only thing that can bring any lasting fulfillment as the decades pass because our faith is not simply rooted in a person who was born to a poor but noble family in a backwater town, but it's rooted in who that person was and in what he came to do, bringing us that long-expected hope of salvation that we find in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus the Messiah, whose first coming was foretold uh, by prophets, just like Carolyn read to us, with uh, men like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses, and our psalmist King David today, uh, who wrote hundreds of years before Christ was born, as they eagerly awaited the church age that we have the privilege of living in now. As the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1, uh, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. 
It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. So are you prepared? Are you ready for Christmas? And I don't mean you just have all your presents bought and wrapped. I mean, have you really prepared yourself? You know, I heard someone on the, the radio not long ago say that when it comes to uh, Christmas, there are really only two kinds of people, those who can't wait for it to come and, and those who can't wait for it to go. Right? And you know, the older you get, the more likely we are to join that second group. Uh, and that's really kind of sad because the older we get, the more we should appreciate the great comfort and peace that the incarnation brings. And so I want to challenge you today to clear a path in your holiday preparations this year uh, and to do it so you'll catch a glimpse of the reason that we do all of this preparing for anyway. Otherwise, when Christmas comes, it's going to be little more than a pretty card with nothing of value on the inside. Because do you remember as a kid how much Christmas meant to you? And it wasn't just the gifts, as good as those were. It was the whole anticipation of that big day, but somehow now we've lost the anticipation and replaced it over a worry of a whole workload of stuff that we have to do. I've felt that way before, right? I've even felt that way this past week. I've felt that at times like the whole celebration has gotten so worldly uh, most of the time that any more Christmas is only for toddlers and retailers. But you know what? What other Christian holiday has the whole world, secular and Christian alike, pause for 24 hours to mark out a day unlike any other in the history of humanity? Uh, a day to recognize the miracle of the eternal God taking on flesh and being born in a manger. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to jump back on the Christmas bandwagon. And so the next time someone tells you that Christmas is just for kids, you can say, you know what, you're absolutely right. It is for children, children of the king, that is. And you know, that goes for all of those, those uh, killjoys and naysayers who creep out of the woodwork this time of year and run around reminding Christians that our celebration is nothing but an elaborate knockoff of ancient pagan Roman festivities. We already know that. Of course we know that the celebration of Christmas overlaps uh, when the Romans celebrated their pagan feast of Saturnalia. But don't forget this. A tiny little minority of Christians in that first century Rome, uh, a number less than 1% of the population, maybe 0.6 to be more exact, beat that pagan party into submission and into service of the majesty of Christ. Because we have the true and better story. And early Christians celebrated so loud and so well that we drowned out their pagan influence and replaced it with the glory of the Incarnation. And so we need to take every opportunity to point that out to everyone around us and to let them know the reason for this time of year. Uh, and the world is doing most of the work for us, right? Because everybody knows when Christmas is. They just might not know what it really means. And so as Christians this year, we need to get back in touch with our inner child because as I said, Christmas is for the children of the King. Uh, and, and what are kids like? Well, they're, they're fully trusting. Right? They're completely frank and open. Just have some little ones around and you'll find that out. They have a huge capacity for joy and they are totally dependent on their parents, right? I, I mean, kids depend on the parents to do for them what they can't do for themselves. Kids do the things they can and the parents do the rest. It's what, what scholars have called fides implicita. It means an implicit faith that their parents will take care of them even though they don't really fully grasp yet or understand all that that involves or entails and so children model for us the kind of trust that we as adults should have in Christ. 
And so although we don't want to have a childish faith, we do want to return to the faith of a child. A child waiting for the gift of Christmas. That gift conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, so that we can experience the freedom and the comfort that only comes from the awareness of that awesome truth that into this, this fragile and fallen world that seems always to be hanging just by a thread came our God in the flesh. And so this year, let's be the, the messengers, the ambassadors of that good news and shout it from the mountaintops. Uh, shout it louder than the world. Uh, shout it out and don't be afraid until everyone hears. And so we need to, as Christians, out-celebrate and out-sing and out-give and out-truth the pagan world outside these walls as we prepare for the worldwide celebration of the Advent and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And so this Christmas, we need to laugh louder and celebrate harder and feast better than the people around us who don't know our God or the life that He came to bring and to get excited. Can you sense it? Can you sense that heightened feeling that something wonderful is coming? Kind of like a faint sound in the distance that draws closer, like a that moment right before the sun peeks over the horizon, like a promise that's about to come true, something wonderful is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas when the king of heaven exchanged his throne for a cradle, when the almighty swaddled himself in vulnerability, when the creator entered his own creation, when the infinite God became a helpless infant, and where ultimately the giver became the perfect gift in his sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross. And so I, I call out to you in his name today, repent and receive the gospel. And I don't know if we have visitors today, what kind of churches you've attended before, uh, or if maybe you're a CEO, that's church slang for Christmas and Easter only. Uh, but at the end of our sermons, we aren't going to try to manipulate people into making an emotional decision. We don't ask anybody to raise their hands or trek down the aisle but rather to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit that may already be working in your hearts. You might even find yourself surprised to know uh, that God has been speaking to you your whole life and drawing you into a right relationship with Him. That's why Christ came at Christmas. That's why He died on Good Friday. That's why He rose at Easter. So flee to Christ for pardon, whoever you are, wherever you are, and receive God's gift of salvation. Receive the ageless promise of Advent. And do it today because, brothers and sisters, it's not simply an invitation. It's our Lord's command. Will you pray with me?